Showdown, 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 ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 how you doing? You got your big energy? You ready for some big fun tonight? Oh my God, if you're in that live stream on Monday night for the showdown slate, you must be feeling it tonight before we go live at 6 p.m. East Coast time because we might pop 2,000 live viewers. But either way, even if you're not, you're here right now to just soak up all these big informations, the big facts, going to smack you with the knowledge. I'm very excited for you all to be here for a very good, probably, without a doubt, the best Thursday night football game I would expect on paper of the entire season. Definitely based off the hype of that we had a couple weeks back, but three weeks ago from Seattle and Arizona, which was also a primetime game, maybe the game of the year candidate, DK could have had the game-winning touchdown, game-winning touchdown then comes later on, shortly after that, Arizona goes home with the victory. And now we get to play this thing as a showdown slate yet again, and now on a Thursday Island game, I'm very excited for this. If you're not familiar with what we do here, because you're just finding me, let me know in the comments if you're just finding me. But what we're basically going to do here on these showdown slates, we create daily fantasy sports content and sports betting content all week long, every single day content is dropping on the channel. So be sure to hit the like and like and subscribe button, big old one right there if you're on the YouTube channel, and also on the podcast, it subscribe, leave a review, chance to win $50 Ruskies. But what we do right here is I go down through every single viable play. If somebody's running enough routes or playing enough snaps to actually be in play on the slate, I leave them in and they'll scroll a little bit as the show goes on. And we'll talk about why I like a specific player, why I like them a little bit, which is an X, a maybe a Y is a yes, or an N is a no for right now. Now, those are not my final overall interest. This is on early on on Thursday. I have projections, ranking and ownership right now out for the showdown slate on my Patreon link down below. If you want to follow along or gain access to that for later on when you build your own lineups. But later at six, p.m. I'll crunch 150 lineups and I'll start to finalize and by the end of the show have my final overall runs and exposures and having 60% of this guy, 23% of this guy, 0% of this guy, taking a full-on stance on fading them like we did for Dalvin Cook in the captain spot on the last showdown slate like we did for I believe Cordell Patterson as well taking a stance on 30% on guys that I don't think have that much upside. Now there are some injuries to monitor for this game before we get into it. Tyler Lockett is questionable. Chris Carson went from probable to questionable to now looking doubtful in this game and Carlos Hyde should be back they're saying so it's going to be a Hyde and Alex Collins backfield with some DJ Dallas back there we'll see how that all works out DJ Dallas was still running routes last week I don't expect Hyde to run that many routes so I expect them all to be involved as well for this week not much news on Arizona's side I mean Kenyon Drake didn't get himself re-injured in the last game saw a lot of touches so that backfield is going to be Kenyon Drake and Chase Evans right now and everybody else in the wide receiver core all four of the guys that will probably be in play for this game are going to be healthy so the tight ends Max Williams returned last game ran like five or six routes found the end zone so that'll probably get some really bad ownership towards max williams in this game so thank those five percent of people who do that for you and before we just crack down all into this this video is sponsored by super draft i'll discuss some of the super draft projections as we go through this we can discuss it more in depth on the live stream tonight they might be adding a 1.25x captain very similar to FanDuel, having two different tiered off captains which i think will be interesting to getting different on super draft since it's multiplier based so for a lot of people who have my projections or myself playing with my projections putting some randomness in there it can become very easy to get the optimal lineups or very similar lineups to other people in there, especially in these showdown slates, where there's not that much difference in terms of the higher upside super draft plays based on some of the multipliers. So I'm actually in favor of that. Uh, Ricky put out a tweet, Ricky Stroud, you can check it out on Twitter. So you can vote to see right now it's pretty clearly winning that they'll add a second captain option, or at least based on that tweet, they'll be considering it. Super draft is a multiplier format. So tonight, Kyler Murray, he'll get if he scores 25 points, he'll get one times that 25 points. But tonight, if you have somebody like Max Williams, the tight end for Arizona, and he finds his way into the end zone and scores eight points, you multiply that by three, and he'll score 25 points. So his eight points will actually look basically the exact same as Kyler Murray's 25 point game. So it makes it interesting and it keeps a lot of people in play for that reason. So be sure to check it out. The promo code SAL, my name, SAL, will get you a free money bonus up to a thousand dollar Ruskies. That's SAL, link down below. Check it out. If you have any questions, leave them in the comments down below. Reach out to me on Twitter. Reach out to me in the Discord. If you're a Patreon and you're not already on Superdraft, the 600 of you that are patrons right now, I'm, I'm sure every single person is not already on Superdraft. And if you are, tip of the cap too. But if not, you have the ownership, you have the projections for Superdraft, specifically those projections. Take advantage of it right now before 
where it gets more difficult to play over there. Professionals are not spending their time over there. They're spending their time on DraftKings. They're spending their time on sports betting and FanDuel. And they're spending their time as well on Yahoo to a lesser extent, not on SuperDraft. That's where you can absolutely crush it. You will be the professional over there, especially if you have projections. Check it out, linked down below. So we start this bad boy off right now with the man, the myth, the legend, it seems this year. He's actually the number one fantasy quarterback of all time ahead of last year's Lamar Jackson based on his fantasy point per game performances. 31.4 DraftKings points per game. But if you factor it into just real points, right, not taking into account bonuses, it's over 29.1 fantasy points per game, which actually leads every single in the history of fantasy football player, not just wide receivers or quarterbacks, well, not just quarterbacks, but every single player ever. It's ahead of Lamar Jackson's pace last year for Kyler Murray. And a lot of it is because of how many damn rushing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns to this point in the season that this man has. It also helps when you just don't go below like 25 fantasy points in a game. I haven't projected above that number tonight. I haven't projected as my highest projected play. And at $13,000, he's firmly in play for me. Both of these quarterbacks are. Look, my stance on $13,000 quarterbacks is there better not be any other decent plays in the slate. So it's worth paying up for their overall points, or they better have a lot of mobile upside and the ability to throw for 300 yards. We know that the mobile upside's there. I don't even have to worry about 300 yard passing. When this guy already has a hundred yard rushing game this year, many and plenty of over 60 yards so far, averaging 60.4 rushing yards per game, averaging 35 attempts per game. And he has the number one protection rate in the NFL and a positive 38% pass blocking advantage tonight is his offensive line against Seattle's number 29th overall pass rush. No pass rush for either side for these teams. That's why you're probably going to see a lot of points yet again, 264 yards per game, 7.6 yards per attempt. And Seattle right now is allowing their number 32 in overall yards per game allowed. And I'm going to be pulling up Ian Hardett's tweet right now. As you can see it on the screen, most yards allowed to the opposing wide receivers this season. So the team that is basically second to last is the Atlanta Falcons, 1,936 yards they've given up to opposing wide receivers so far this year. That is absolutely terrible. That's bad. Well, the Seahawks are in dead last place, one spot below them, 2,428 yards. They're almost giving up 500 more yards to wide receivers and then quarterbacks than any other team in the NFL right now. They're on pace to break the Packers' 2011 yardage given up to opposing offenses on in the passing game by almost 1,000 yards. So Kyler Murray, firmly in play, even at that price tag, you can make it work. There's enough value to make it work, especially guys on his team that you can correlate that we'll talk about later on. Next up is Russell Wilson, who had his first egg of the season, right? The guy goes for like the 12, 13 fantasy points his last time out there hadn't been below 23 fantasy points on the season in a game still averaging 29.6 fantasy points per game they're struggling on offense these last couple of games russ has 11 turnovers in the last two games alone i mean you can't be the mvp at that point he's still putting up a lot of mvp type numbers 310 passing yards per game 8.4 yards per attempt is tied for second in the nfl he's number two in accuracy right now and in week 10 those 11 points first time again under 23 points you just can't be the mvp or at least in the conversation when patrick mahomes is only throwing one interception to like 25 touchdowns this year when aaron Rodgers has like 28 touchdowns to three interceptions this year. There's just no way that he can be doing that, especially when those guys are also putting up efficiency numbers in the yards per attempt standpoint and also the yards per game standpoint. But Russell will be fine here because Arizona doesn't play defense either. He'll have a positive 18% pass blocking advantage against Arizona's number 27 pass rush. He's attempting 37 passes per game right now. And this is just going to be a spot where I don't really care too much, right? Russell Wilson, a $1,200 discount off of Kyler Murray. I do actually prefer Russell Wilson over Kyler right now. If you were forced to choose one and you're building one lineup tonight because of that price discount. I currently have Russell Wilson projected for higher ownership, but it's nothing to an extreme extent of like 20% difference that I would jump to Kyler Murray. Again, I like both of them. Can you play them both in the same lineup? You're probably going to be laboring a ton for salary. You'll have to play a very cheap captain if you want to be doing that, which I think is more than fine. Like if you want to play both of these guys, you're probably gonna have to play one of these below $5,000 wide receivers on the slate and and jam some guys in. Maybe you can fit one of the 7k wide receivers in there. So I'm not against playing both in the same lineup, but I assume later on tonight, once we crunch my 150s on the live stream, set your notification bells. 6 p.m. East Coast time that a lot of my lineups won't feature both of these.
these guys, but the, a lot of the higher upside projected lineups for cash game standpoints will. But for GPPs, uh, I think that you'll probably want to get more pass catchers in your lineups if possible, because there's a lot of pass catchers on the slate that can easily top 20 to 25 points. So we're going to go with a yes on Russ. And now we get down into the wide receivers who are some of these high end wide receivers that look, they're not as expensive as the quarterbacks. And they likely, I mean, these quarterbacks have insane ceilings with Kyler and Russ, the ability to score 40 plus points. So far this season, we haven't seen Russ score 40 plus points, but he scored 30s uh, multiple of times. He scored the high 30s one time this year when he finished as the quarterback two against Dallas. We've seen Kyler Murray hit the 40 number a couple of times just in the last month alone. So I think that they clearly have the high ceilings. They clearly have these fantastic ceilings, but we also know that DK that Tyler Lockett, I mean, Tyler Lockett has a 50 burger. At DeAndre Hopkins, these guys have 30 to 40 point upside as well, and they're gonna be a lot cheaper. So normally on showdown slates, I like to get wide receivers in my captain spot. When there's mobile quarterbacks, I put those guys and allow them in my captain spot as well. So I assume I'll have a lot of all these guys, but wide receivers have a wider range of outcomes and all their matchups are great tonight. DeAndre Hopkins, a positive 24% matchup versus Flowers, who allows a 76% catch rate and Hopkins has 10 pounds on him. He's seeing 30% target share, 10 targets per game so far this year, playing 6% out of the slot, number two in yards per game, number two in yards after the catch. Yes, the Andre Hopkins is a clear yes for me. Next up is going to be the Seattle wide receivers. They're expensive as well. And DK Metcalf is $10,200. He got taken out of that last game, but now he has a positive 24% matchup against Patrick Peterson, who don't get scared about Patrick Peterson. Steph Diggs just tore him apart in the last game. Steph Diggs is a crazy route runner and a very good wide receiver, but so is DK Metcalf in terms of being a dominant wide receiver. I have no issues with him going up against Patrick Peterson in this one, who he's going to have 26 pounds on. He's just a totally different man than Patrick Peterson. Peterson's allowing 1.17 yards per cover, and DK Metcalf is averaging eight targets on a 20. 23% target share this year. He's number one in air yards with 120 air yards per game at $10,200. DK Metcalf, I do prefer, I do prefer for $600 more DeAndre Hopkins, just a target share that you're going to be getting out of DeAndre Hopkins, not having to split up that target share with a man like Tyler Lockett is going to be more consistent for you. Even in the game where Hopkins only had three targets two weeks ago, he had four other targets taken back for pass interference. So he basically had seven targets, three of which were downfield targets that if he brings in one of those, it's a totally different game, especially if the one for a touchdown wasn't interfered with. So we got a lot of yeses up here. And this is what you're going to see. It's going to be more of a bar barrel approach, which if you're not familiar, means that the top end and the bottom end look pretty nice because, well, if you're interested in the top end, you're probably gonna have to find some value on the bottom end. And there's at least some value on this slate. But before we get there, Tyler Lockett at $9,400 is a positive 27% matchup against Byron Murphy in the slot. Murphy's allowing over 1.25 yards per cover, just for some reference, anything over like 1.2 starts to become bad. Anything over 1.5 is bad. Anything over two is really bad. If you're like around one, 1.1 below one, it's fine. You're, you're not terrible. So Murphy's been not that great so far this year. Lockett's averaging 25% target share, 8.8 targets per game. Both of those are top 10, but it's going to be skewed because Lockett, similar to Cooper Cup, has a 20 plus target game on the season so far. He's playing 57% of his snaps out of the slot. He hasn't topped 12 fantasy points over the last three games. I would assume that this is going to be the game where Tyler Lockett can indeed do that for you. Tyler Lockett is going to be a yes for me. And now we start to get to not a dead range by any means, but just a different tier in overall players. Those guys that we just talked about, Murray, Wilson, Hopkins, Metcalf, and Lockett, those five guys are in basically tier one of their own. You can maybe even split the quarterbacks and Hopkins into their own tier and the Seattle wide receivers into like tier two on this slate. And then I would argue that tier three has nobody in it. And then you can start to get to tier four. Chris Carson, it, he went from probable to like to questionable to doubtful. Like I said, I still have him on my slate. I have him as a no, I'm not projecting him, but we'll just leave his name up on here just in case he miraculously goes the other way because he's already switched from probable to doubtful now. But he'll have a fine run blocking advantage, positive 25%. So will all the Seattle backs. So this information is helpful against Arizona's number 26 overall run defense. Just track the health status. It seems like he's not going to play and then $7,400. So if Carson is indeed out, you go from a playable player at Lockett at $9,400 to a $2,000 drop 
to Christian Kirk. And then after that, a $1,200 drop to Kenyon Drake. So this is kind of a no man's land almost, right? Like if you're playing Christian Kirk, he's the only guy in this range for the most part, especially if you don't have any interest in Kenyon Drake, he's the only guy that you're going to be playing between Tyler Lockett and then Chase Edmonds. And that's almost a $4,000 difference. So we're in a crazy drop range right here. And it just naturally makes it become easier if you start to captain some of these guys uh, to fit a lot of other studs in your lineup. So Christian Kirk, fine spot. I like him a lot. He's going to have a positive advantage against Stevens, in my opinion, who allows 1.91 yards per cover and a limited in a smaller sample six targets per game for christian kirk who finally came down to earth in that last game after having three games of 20 plus before that one of them being against seattle he's seen six plus targets in three straight games now he's 15.8 yards per target is top 20 in the nfl he's not going to be somebody who's a clear yes for me like the guys above but he's definitely in play no doubt about it a peek behind the curtain on patreon where i have my projections rankings and ownership just to look at how i have christian kirk graded out today i have him for 12 and a half fantasy points it makes him a 1.69 value on DraftKings. i've met 25 percent projected ownership pretty good not that much ownership on a guy who's kind of in no man's land. And I have him for 23.13 super draft points. He grades out as a B for cash and a B for GPPs for me. That's just a little bit of a sample of what we have for every single player on the slate. Link down below on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. Next up is Kenyon Drake. He returned in week 10 and saw 16 attempts, one target, one reception. So he had 17 overall overall opportunities, 109 total yards. He has a negative 66% run blocking advantage this week. Arizona's run blocking unit is not good. And Seattle's run defense, even though their pass defense is bad, it's so it kind of skews because teams just aren't running on them as much, but teams actually can't run on them. They've been very good this year in efficiency and stopping the run. Number two overall graded run defense, allowing just 70.1 yards per game. Kenyon Drake is in play for me at 6,200 because of the price tag. Like it's not expensive. If he was 7K, 7,500, then yeah, he's too expensive. But at $6,200, this is a fair price point, especially if you can bank on 14, 15 touches like you got out of him this last time. Jace Edmonds is going to come in $600 cheaper than his running mate in the backfield. Jace Edmonds in week 10 saw his usage drop. In week nine, when there was obviously no Kenyon Drake, he played 100% of the snaps and had 28 touches. And then in week 10, Kenny Drake comes, almost cuts in half. 52% 52% of the snaps. The touches almost cut in the third, 11 overall touches, although he had 77 yards. He was much better. He had a 20 plus yard run uh, on basically his first touch once Kenyon Drake came out of the game. I expect similar usage moving forward. In this game, if they were to give overall 30 touches to the running backs, I would expect somewhere around 18 for Kenyon Drake and 12 for Chase Edmonds. I mean, it seems like based on the tag that they put on Kenyon Drake, they still want to keep him involved, even though Chase Edmonds, although in one game he didn't operate great, but in every other game as a backup on his limited touches, he's fantastic. They're both going to be in play for me right now. I actually have Kenyon Drake as the best better play based on my projections right now, just based on the overall touches I'm giving him. Carlos Hyde, the running back for Seattle. Who knows if this guy's going to play at this point? They're saying that he's going to play. I'm projecting him into play at this price tag. I just don't like it. Like if it was Chris Carson, I would trust him to get a full workload and he's been fantastic this year. I would trust 15 plus touches, but Carlos Hyde, I think you're probably going to see 10, 12 carries on the ground. That doesn't seem that great for me, especially since I don't think Carlos Hyde is that great. I think you're then going to see Alex Collins factor in for maybe four, five, six carries as his own. And then I think you're going to see DJ Dallas run some routes out there. DJ Dallas ran 16 routes last week. We could talk about him soon. So Carlos Hyde at $5,200, unless we get news that Alex Collins is inactive, we can actually see a path for like 16 to 18 carries for Carlos Hyde. I'm just not going to get there. I would much rather play the Arizona backs ahead of him. And then I would much rather play some wide receivers that we're about to get to below him. Starting with David Moore, who will have a positive 15% matchup against Drake Kirkpatrick. If Kirkpatrick returns, he's been banged up. He has 21 pounds on Kirkpatrick. David Moore is a huge, huge, human being. He came out of college at 220 pounds. He's 6'1". He's not the same as DK Metcalf by any means, especially when it comes to speed score, although he's decent there. According to player profiler, he has an 88th percentile speed score. DK is at like 99th percentile, so it's pretty crazy, but he is an insane athlete. Like if DK Metcalf was to get injured, David Moore would fill in and maybe not offer a one-to-one comparison, but he would be a very good wide receiver. So make sure he's not on waiver wires for you because uh, this could be a huge David Moore game if indeed somebody goes down. But just in general, David Moore has been good this year. And you have now Kirkpatrick allowing over 1.65 yards per cover route. You 
have him seeing a 9% target share, 3.2 targets per game. David Moore has seen two or more receptions in four straight games this season. And David Moore does have some big games. Now, normally they're going to be touchdown dependent. So far, David Moore this season has four games of at least 14 or more fantasy points. And that's pretty good to see out of a wide receiver who's priced right now at this price point of $4,800. Last time out, he did not score a touchdown. It was his best game of not scoring a touchdown this season, I believe. And it was against Arizona where he goes out there against Drake Kirkpatrick. He catches all three of his targets for 53 yards. He ran 17 routes, but lately he's been running more routes than that. In week 10, he ran 31 routes. In week 9, he ran 24 routes. His role has been expanding, running a season high and a career high routes in week 10. So David Moore, somebody who early on his career dealt with injuries, now looks to be fully healthy out there and actually looks very good. He's very close to a yes for me, but there's a couple of wide receivers right now in this range and then lower on that actually look good as well. So David Moore is somebody that I expect to get a good amount of. David Moore is a sneaky option. I'm not sure how viable it will be. You're probably going to need two touchdowns out of it, but he's a sneaky captain option. David Moore just has more downfield upside as well as Andy Isabella that we'll get to, but he's a sneaky captain option because he probably allows you to get both quarterbacks in, maybe a DeAndre Hopkins. And if you're playing David Moore, you're hoping for a two touchdown game, which means it probably caps the upside of a Lockett and or a Metcalf. So you don't have to play one or both of them. And then you can fill out the rest of your lineup from there. So I think he's a sneaky captain option. Me saying that does not mean go get hundred percent of him. If I got like 5%. I assume that's going to be above the field. I currently have David Moore's overall total ownership between utility and captain spot projected out at 10 to 15%. I have it at 10% right now. I think it could potentially get up to 15% after all the content goes out today. Next up, another wide receiver, Larry Fitzgerald. He would be the opposite of David Moore. He'll be consistent for you. His last game against Arizona was potentially his best game of the entire season. Larry Fitzgerald still has not caught a touchdown this season. I would assume that that's going to happen based on the amount of routes that he runs and just how much he's on the field at some point this year. But a lot of his production would have to come in the red zone. And Kyler Murray just takes off and runs in touchdowns in the red zone. But his best game of the season was indeed in this matchup against Seattle against Amandi last time out in the slot. He played 72% of the snaps. He ran 40 rounds, which is so far a season high, caught all eight of his targets. Both of those are season high, eight targets and eight receptions, 62 yards, ended up being a season high, 14.2 points. So he ended up playing a lot against Seattle. It is a good matchup in the slot. Larry Fitzgerald is also in play. Larry Fitzgerald is somebody that I'm completely fine putting in a utility spot because he's priced like the kickers. And we know that he has an upside to score more than the kickers. He scored so far this year, at least nine or more fantasy points in three games. In two out of his last three games, he scored nine and a half or more fantasy points, which is around where the kickers on this type of a slate will project out for. We know that there's always the upside if he can score the touchdown. So Larry Fitzgerald is in play. I would not want to captain Larry Fitzgerald. I think your ceiling is capped there. Although I think David Moore would actually be a viable captain. I think Larry Fitzgerald is more so only viable in the utility spot. Next up is the kickers. Usually I don't like kickers at all. Usually I don't think that they're going to be involved in these higher scoring games. And when I say, when I say I don't like kickers at all, it's normally in these higher scoring games because there's usually more secure value that you can find down here. On this slate, there's a couple of pieces that you can look at for value, but I do think that the kickers, if they're going to start to project out close to 10 fantasy points, there's a lot of upside here to be rostering the kickers. I would only want to roster one of them. I do prefer David Moore and Larry Fitzgerald over the kickers right now, even if the projections that you're looking at wherever, if it's mine, if it's somewhere else's, don't actually say that. Don't actually say that these kickers are not going to be better point per dollar plays. We know that the range of outcomes on a wide receiver is way better, meaning that they have a higher ceiling than a kicker ever will. Next up is Alex Collins. I just don't have any interest in Alex Collins and I'll scroll down as we finish up the last uh, couple of guys here, the below $4,000 guys on the YouTube video. I'll scroll down for everything that you're seeing. If you're watching on YouTube, please do take a second of your time. Hit the like button, hit the big old subscribe button as it seems like we might be a day or two away from hitting 33,000 subscribers. Very loyal community that we have here. Come join the community. Sign up for Patreon, get access to the Discord, and you can join that community as well, where everybody's talking DFS, sports betting, just sports in general, pretty much 24-7. I look in there, and everybody's talking about it. So be sure to join that community. And you're just basically inserting yourself into a knowledge hub, in my opinion, where you're going to have an even better just uh, soaking up of knowledge, getting smacked with the information in there, and it's just going to happen kind of unconsciously at that point when you're discussing and mingling with people all day long about DFS and strategy and stuff like that. Very underrated perk, I would say, of the Patreon as well. So if you are a 
priority or Hall of Fame member that is. So Alex Collins in week 10 right now, he played 53% of the snaps, but if you're going to get, it does not seem like Chris Carson, but if it is Carlos Hyde back, I'd assume that that number goes down. He saw overall 13 opportunities and 12 touches, 47 yards and a touchdown. I have written here, I expect eight to 10 touches if Hyde and Carson sits. If indeed Carson is back, then I don't have any interest. But if indeed Hyde is back, I would expect somewhere maybe around like six to eight total touches. And that's probably the high side of it. So for Alex Collins, not going to have any interest. Seems overpriced what his new role will be. But if Carlos Hyde was to get ruled out as well, then yes, he would probably become in play for me at 3,800 for a guy to see double digit touches on a showdown slate. Next up is Greg Olson at 3,600. Look, this tight end room right now for Seattle is just so hard to pin down. One week, it's a guy continuously seeing like 40% of the snaps. And then he sees last week, like Jacob Hollister, just 8% of the snap. One week, it's Will Disley seeing 70 plus percent of the snaps and all the routes run. The next week, he's not seeing any of the routes run. And then it seems like this past week, it was the Greg Olson week. He catches two of four targets for 33 yards and 5.3 fantasy points, his biggest performance since week four against Miami, because his snaps were nowhere near what they were last week. Last week, Greg Olson in week 10 against LA plays 78% of the snaps. The weeks before that, 35%, 51%, 70%. And then he just sees a, a close to season high, 78%, second highest he's seen on the season out of nowhere, it seems. So I don't really know what to tell you too much about these tight ends, because it could be Greg Olson going from 78% of the snaps in four targets to him going to 25% of the snaps in one target this week. That's literally what's been happening each and every week with another one of these tight ends. Greg Olson is the most expensive. So in my opinion, it makes him the most risky. I could actually feel comfortable projecting Greg Olson for a decent role, but that decent role is not going to be anything crazy. It'll be somewhere around like five fantasy points. So his 10% target share, 3.7 targets per game is nice to see. His nine red zone targets so far this season is actually very appealing. Did not see any red zone targets last week, but saw four red zone targets two weeks prior to that. So that allows for some upside at $3,600 based on the fact that, look, he's seen three plus targets in four straight games that's good to see depending on the snaps that he's playing he's still at least seeing some targets but he has not top 10 fantasy points i believe it was since week three against dallas when he topped it week one against atlanta then week three against dallas has not topped 10 since then highest he scored is eight and a half in week four and before that was 5.3 last week so he's not getting these downfield targets and if you want to bank on him to actually be in a winning lineup at 3600 on this type of a slate you probably need him to score 10 plus fantasy points so he's loosely in play for me but if you're building like one to three lineups i probably avoid it i'm not gonna have interest in either defense they both stink arizona's 22nd overall Seattle's 15th overall. The only reason that Seattle actually ranks higher overall is because they're number two in run defense and number one in tackling, but they're bottom five in the NFL in pass rush and they're bottom five and clearly the worst team against wide receivers and quarterbacks in terms of yards allowed this year. Arizona is not that far off. Arizona is terrible overall in terms of their run defense, 26, pressure 27th, coverage is decent 18th like borderline bottom third in the league they also touch on the fact that this is going to be a 58 total 57 and a half in some spots pretty crazy seattle opened up as three and a half point favorites so we're going to be seeing a lot of points which means a lot of passing which means a lot of plays in general these teams play fast so the defenses could be in play right there could be issues russell wilson has had 11 turnovers in the last three games tyler murray is prone to turnovers and interceptions and this type of stuff so it's not like you can't play a defense i just think there's better value dan ronald at 2200 probably isn't that better value right now dan ronald eight percent target share two and a half targets per game just 25 yards per game has only seen one red zone target that's the thing at $2,200 based on the fact that he doesn't get a lot of volume doesn't get a lot of downfield volume I doubt he's going to see six catches for 30 yards in this game he just doesn't get that volume so you're probably going to need to rely on the touchdown and he just has not been used in the red zone by any means so far this season they don't use tight ends a lot here he tied a season high in targets and receptions in week 10 with four apiece so that's good to see but I think if anything that might inflate his ownership to maybe like 15% projected ownership is what I have him close to when really I think he should be coming in at like six or seven percent so right now I have loose outside interest in Dan Arnold just because he's one of these guys we have to start to find some sort of value below four thousand dollars you don't really want Greg 
Olsen. We don't really want Dan Arnold, if I'm being completely honest with you, if you're playing a couple of lineups. He'll be in my personal player pool for like 150s and things like that. But this next guy is the guy that I would be wanting to get to at $2,000. He's going to be risky. He's not going to be a sure thing. He should be on the field more than Larry Fitzgerald, in my opinion, or we're just not going to get to see it this year. And he's also had his own mistakes. Like, don't let people on Twitter who don't really watch the games and keep up with it and just keep up with the narratives that they build in their own head, which is like 99% of Twitter, don't let them tell you Andy Isabella needs to be on the field more than Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, he's old. He's not going to give you upside downfield, but he knows his role and he plays his role well. Andy Isabella has been out there dropping passes one. Andy Isabella over the last couple of weeks has been running the wrong routes and, and leading into almost turnovers and leading to uh, three and outs on this team multiple times. So it's not all on the fact that they just don't want to put him out there. There's a reason why they're not putting a good, talented player out there. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is not a, a dumb coach by any means. I don't think any of these coaches are dumb. They have questionable decisions, but Cliff Kingsbury is probably one of the least guys that I question his decision making. There's a reason he doesn't have this guy out there. He's not right now set up to be an NFL player or at least a full-time NFL player. And if you want to argue that, argue with, the, with your fridge. I mean, go ahead and watch the tape. This guy's not running the right routes every single time. And if you want to be an NFL wide receiver running 30 plus routes a game, and you want to be that starter out there over Larry Fitzgerald, who's running 30 plus routes a game, you better run those routes properly. You better know the playbook. And that does not seem like what's happening right now with Andy Isabella so far this season. Also, he has two pretty devastating drops on the year as well. That's not going to help you by any means, but he's $2,000 in the showdown slate. Last time out against Seattle, didn't do anything. He had one catch on three targets for seven yards. He saw 41 air yards in that game. He has not seen over 50 air yards right now since week six against Dallas, where he saw a deep pass and nothing ended up coming of it. Should have had a touchdown on it. It was overthrown, but that's about it. And honestly, everybody jumps up and down about the air yards for Andy Isabella. He hasn't seen anything over 86 air yards was the most against Dallas. Outside of that, nothing over 60 air yards this year. And the obvious reason is because he's not on the field a lot. These are his routes run basically over the entire season. 10 starting in week one, 10 routes run, 14, 18, 18, 9, 25 against Seattle last time was good to see, 13 and 9. So he's coming off of his least routes run in the entire season with nine. So that's your big concern here, I would say. So playing as the wide receiver four, probably you'll see 25 to 30% of the snaps. He's only seen nine targets over the last four games, just 2.6 targets per game on 8% target share and a season low 16% of the snaps last week in week 10. In these last two out of the last three weeks, he's seen two of his lowest seasons and snaps since week one and week nine against Miami, 27% of the snaps, 13 routes had three fantasy points, two catches for 10 yards on three targets. His only catch last week was basically on the play. I think that set up, I believe it was the play that set up DeAndre Hopkins or no, it was the play before that. It went his catch for like 12 yards. Then Larry Fitzgerald ran out of bounds for like a 10 yard catch. And then it was DeAndre Hopkins miracle. So honestly, he was very close to a goose egg in that game as well. But the reason why I say he's the player is when I say he's the player, he's the player that's below like $3,000 or $4,000 that stands out. He's not going to be an overwhelming guy for me. Like right now he's going to be in my player pool. Maybe I get like 20% of him. I don't know. I think that he comes in right now somewhere around I have him projected at probably like 15% ownership because he's the one guy in the strange down here that if he's running 15 routes on a showdown slate, yeah, all he needs is one play. All he needs is one catch, 65 yards and a touchdown. And if there's any game environment that that can happen in and any secondary that that can happen in, it would be in this game where they're going to be taking shots against Seattle. So if I had to make him a yes, the reason why I would make him a yes right now, he's a maybe, but if I put the yes tag on him, it just means that below this $4,000 range, he has the clear and obvious upside and he'd be my favorite play. Like you can hope for two catches for like 19 yards out of Dan Arnold. You can hope for three catches for 30 yards out of Greg Olson. And that's how that those guys pay off unless they find the end zone or the way that Andy Isabella pays off and the way that you feel good about him is he's probably catching one pass for 45 yards and a touchdown. And then you're pretty much set at $2,000. So that's the reason why Andy Isabella, I'll keep him as a yes. It does not mean he's a better play than David Moore and Larry Fitzgerald. That's not what it means. It means that Andy Isabella is my favorite play below $4,000 when I mark him as a yes. Next up is Will Disley. And I have written here literally three tight ends in Seattle is a mess to work through. It's so true. He's seen a 5% target share this year, 1.8 targets. Like two weeks ago, it looked like he would be the full on tight end based on his 70 plus percent snaps has not been the same since then. He's had at least one catch in every game, but only four total so far over the last three games. So right now with the Will Disley for me, 
at $1,800. I'm just not going to mess around with it. If he ends up catching one pass for like 10 yards and a touchdown, so be it. I'm not playing tight end roulette with these guys who are basically seeing like one reception a game for like eight yards. Max Williams did not run any routes in week 10. In week nine, he ran six routes in his return from injury, caught a four-yard touchdown pass. I have no interest here at all. Not even sure if he'll step on the field. And if he does, you're not going to get much. Let 5% of the field or so own him and just let them burn their money, in my opinion. And then we get to our final couple of guys. Freddie Swain had a career game last game or, or season high, three catches on four targets for 37 yards. All those are season highs. Played 39% of the snaps in week 10. You might be saying, who is Freddie Swain? But I mean, he plays snaps this year. He's ran 15 routes per game, seen two targets per game, 17 yards per game this year, inflated a little bit by last week. I'm not going to have interest in Freddie Swain. I do think that he's going to play a similar role to Andy Isabella in this offense in terms of the amount of routes and snaps he plays, not the downfield upside of Andy Isabella, but the fact that they'll probably both run like 12 to 15 routes in this game. But I think that I'd rather just pay up for Andy Isabella. Last couple of guys to talk about, and there's going to be some I have interest in. Jacob Hollister. Look, if we're going to play tight end roulette with Seattle, this guy only played, I think, 8% of the snaps last week after normally playing like 40 plus percent of the snaps. He's seen 26% slot usage. His 8% of the slaps, snaps last week normally for teams should mean something, but to me, it doesn't mean anything. Maybe he got nicked up. I saw some reports on that. Look, he sees two and a half targets per game. He has one catch in every game this season. He'll be in play for me because now we're in this $1,000 below range. If you're just trying to punt the position, he'll be in play. I'd rather punt with the cheaper tight end out of all these goofballs between Will Disley and Greg Olson. I'd rather just punt with the cheap one and just hold your nose and hope that he sees three targets and catches a couple of them. But even then, it's not something that I'm really trying to prioritize. Travis Homer, no interest. I, I think he saw no attempts in three targets last game. And now if you actually have Carlos Hyde back, I don't think he's going to see much work at all. DJ Dallas at $600 will be in play for me. I'll keep an eye on Carlos Hyde. If Hyde is out, DJ Dallas becomes pretty firmly in play for me. In week 10, he saw 36% of the snaps, two attempts and three targets on 16 routes. So Alex Collins took over this backfield. Homer, no usage on the ground. Dallas, only two carries. And DJ Dallas was bad. You might've seen him in some of fantasy performances thinking that he's good because he was scoring touchdowns, but he's bad. He's bad out there completely in my opinion. Now, I think that you're probably going to see still some targets. If he runs 14 routes in this game, DJ Dallas, and that leads to two or three targets at this $600 price tag, at least for me, it's going to remain in play. I don't think I get a lot of it, but it'll be remaining in play because two or three targets can land for a running back to two catches for 16 yards. That's not great at 3.6 points, but there's also the upside for at least one of those going for a touchdown. So for me, it's unlikely, but it keeps him in play. So that's it. That's every single player that I think is viable on the slate. We'll see what happens with Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson news on the live stream tonight at 6 p.m. East Coast time. Please do before you go hit the like and the subscribe button. Appreciate that time. A lot of time spent on this showdown video because it deserves it because it should be a fantastic game with a 58 implied total. Seattle again opening as three and a half point favorites. Support the sponsor of the show, Superdraft. Link down below my code SAL, S-A-L. When you go over there, make your first deposit. You'll receive a free money bonus in a slow drip format up to $1,000. Whiskey is my favorite Superdraft play on the slate tonight. Right now, he'll be a little bit variant, right? He has some upside and he has some bust potential. Tyler Lockett at 28.35 fantasy points is my number one Superdraft play. And don't sleep on the kickers on this slate on Superdraft. Both of these kickers look like pretty fine options and options that I will get, be getting a lot of. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you at 6 p.m. East Coast time tonight to discuss the slate on a live stream with all you fellas out there. We'll give you the big energy, the big facts, smack you with the info to try and win the dollar ruskies. Peace out, gang. I'll see you then.